Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well met, fellow adventurers. You find me once again at the Goblin Claw Inn. At the end of a short, steeply pitched path, just off the main road that winds through South Glen, stands a notorious Goblin Claw Inn. Under the ownership of Gutsmill and his wife Gloina, the inn has fallen into an advanced state of disrepair, and upon first bland glance appears to be little more than a squalid eyesore. The den of this, this establishment's motley and largely unruly patronage sails out of a pair of crooked windows on either side of the inn's heavy oak door. Beneath the windows on either side of the door sit several figures, each of them slumped over. Little doubt they have fallen victory to the Claw's legendarily harsh batch, batch of brew. The unpleasant odour animating from the ramshackle stable not far to the right of the inn is almost unbearable. I'm going to investigate the stables. You step into the stables and are immediately confronted by an overpowerful and unmistakable stench of animal refuse. The odour is nearly strong enough to make you wet. You're supposed to shovel that out or something, I assume. I've never looked after horses, but I'm pretty sure they don't like me. They don't like wallowing in their own excrement. No, (laughs) not at all. Explore the stables. Reach the back of the tables and promptly turn and make your way out of the shackle structure. With your eyes watering, you stumble out into the fresh air. Okay, enter the inn itself. It's slightly less smelly than the stables. The interior of the Goblin Claw Inn is as much dis- disrepair as the notorious establishment's ramstack or exterior. Despite the squalid state of the inn's common room, it is crowded with patrons clamouring for food, drink, and the attention of a half-dozen servants that are scurrying about. A blazing fire at one end of the long room casts its flickering orange light over everything within. Its warm, soothing glow almost makes you oblivious to the walker's den and unpleasant odours that continually assail your senses. Two cross swords hang over the wall. Above the mantle play, fireplace mantle, behind the swords, stands the ornate shield you retrieve from the vermin-infested cellar of the inn. Which is another adventure I recorded a lot earlier called Into the Cellar of the Goblin Claw Inn. Or something like that. Let's just check. Yep, that's what it's called. So you want to hear how that got there, that's where you'll listen. But you want to have new adventures now. So seat in the common room. 
which is where many of which was where all the best adventures start in in the common wounds of inns. You sit at a table in front of the fireplace, basking in the flickering glow of its roaring blaze as your eyes wander the common womb crowd. An inn serpent moves past and places a fluffing wagon of bitter house ale in front of you. Compliments of Grootsmill. You suddenly, you suddenly spot a tall, chain-clad man seated at a table not far from the hearth. It takes you less than a moment to realise the long-haired, unshaven man whose bowel-sized chest and thick arms serve to hint at his immense physical strength is none other than Thrymrak, the venture those lists of accomplishments knows few peers, save one notable exception. I know what. I'm going to talk to Thornback. Approach Thornback's table. Thornback looks up at you. Uh, looks up as you clear his table and smiles. Though you sense his seemingly friendly grin is a calculated gesture, rather than a genuine reaction to your approach. Well, I thought for a moment the dim light of this hall was playing tricks on me. He says, laughing. Zoop, is it? Very well met. I trust you'll join me for a bit of our host's tolerable blue. The vaulted adventurer kicks the chair across for, from, from him out on front of the table and motions for you to take a seat. Accept his offer for an hour and, and sit at his table. Fireback asks you about your recent adventures and tells you that he's putting together a grand scheme hopes to invite you to a participating. Just you wait, Soup, he says, thoughtfully stroking his unshaven chin. This one will prove to be the greatest adventure of them all. I just need some time to put the pieces of it together. Feinbank eventually gets round to asking you if you've managed to acquire any new and interesting items in your travels. Alright, let Feinbank take a look at your items. Feinbank roams his hands together and his eyes widen. And he's, as he carefully looks over the items currently in your possession. Where do you find this beauty? Thrymback stares in awe at the Greek demon scourge. This is truly a remarkable sort of thing, isn't it? A real basher, this one. Don't suppose you're showing the foul ones any mercy with this? Eh, Zoop? Thrymback is so struck with the demon scourge that he immediately makes you an offer for it. I'll give you 20,000 gold for it, he says, barely hardly able to take his eyes off his weapon. What do you say to that? 20,000 gold for this? What? Gold? I don't want gold. I could, I could just get gold easily. I could get that in just half an hour of grinding, maybe less. No, no, no. Not for gold. Not for gold. Lightly refuses offer. Very shrewd, he says, grinning, as he struck shifts his gaze from you to the demon scourge, then back to you in rapid succession. All right then, I'll make it twenty-five thousand gold and eight adventure tokens. I'm afraid it's the most I can spare at this moment. Well, what have you got to say at your end? Hmm, I'm going to pause while I think over this. I've been thinking over it for a bit, and since I already have, I have another weapon that 
I have another weapon that has a bonus against demons. Plus 15 from Tiara's staff. And if I fight something that's got incredibly high MR that I can't deal with any other way, I can just use the Wand of Dragonfire. I am going to actually sell the Demon Scourge. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing it. I've not done this on any of my other accounts. But I don't think there's any big demon foes coming up. But maybe I'm going to feel really silly if, if he decides... Now I'm going to release a scale dungeon filled with plus 15 demons. <laughs> hey, I hope you have your demon scourge because otherwise it's nearly impossible. <laughs> uh, selling the demon scourge. <sighs> Fireback grins and immediately completes the transaction by taking possession of the demon scourge and handing you a large sack filled with, grow with gold. He also tosses you a small pouch containing eight adventurer tokens. I'd worry over thieves, but you can imagine a thief, bra bra thief brashing enough to try and do us out of our gold? A real laughable sort of thing, that is. I am no longer carrying the demon scourge. Alright. 25,000 gold tokens, and more importantly, 8 adventurer tokens. Now, I just have the feeling that at some point, I may regret this. But I don't think so. I don't think so. Fineback thanks you for accepting the offer, and tells you he plans to put the weapon to good use. Fineback calls for two more flagments of ale in, in celebration of his acquisition of the Demon's Scourge. And when you've finished yours, you rise and bid farewell to the renowned adventurer. And fare thee well, Zoop, he says, standing to meet you in a shoulder cross. And mind you stay out of my favourite stomping grounds, of course. A jest soup, of course. With that, you take your leave of Fineback. Approaches table again. Here's my capable apprentice, he, laughs, he answers with a laugh. I'm caught tossing out Jess's set. Come on, have a seat. I'll fetch us some ale. Sit by the table. Alright, so, right, let's have a look at his items. Fireback is happy to let you have a look at some of the items he's carrying. Here are some of the renowned adventurers' current possessions. The Blade of Balance. View. 40 MR. 5 stamina points. 3 spirits. Ah, it's better than mine. No fair, no fair. This legendary sword is currently owned and wielded with an extraordinary degree, degree of skill by the renowned adventurer Thrymeback. This weapon is of magical quality. Yes, uh, that is really good. And there's absolutely no way of getting it. Because you, you think how good his sword is? You can't fight him. And also, we're in a tavern. It's rude. And he's a good guy. 
the thrice enchanted chain shirt. 10 melee rating, 24 stamina points. Once again, much better than what I have. Three powerful enchantments were long ago bestowed upon this magnificent chain shirt. It is believed that the wearer of this piece of armour is immune to the effects of dragon's breath and all magical fire. The next up is the Rotting King's Bracers. 10 melee rating and 16 stamina points. This pair of enchanted bone breakers were taken from the decimated corpse of a wicked undead lord known as the Rotting King. I'm afraid that's all I have to show at the moment. The rest of up is locked up safe in my way. Well, it, it's safe. Of course it's safe. <laughs> yes, yes. Alright. I'll bid him farewell and leave. Yep, ta-ta, ta-ta. Now on to the main part. Some adventures. Part 1. I'll start with the first adventure here. The Blood Code. The sudden appearance of a familiar face in the inn's crowded common room leads to adventure. The warm, flickering glow of the blaze that wages in the fireplace at the far end of the common room has at last chased away the remaining chills that have dogged you into the goblin claw this blustery, drizzly early afternoon, early autumn afternoon. Having dried your attire and had your fill of the bitter house brew, you're about to rise and set off to strike up a conversation with Grutzmill, when your eyes suddenly lock onto a, onto a lone man seated at the table against the opposite wall. The cloth hood, dampened by the foul weather, covers his head, but does little to conceal his face, a face you instantly recognise. It's the face of Brother Cole, master warrior monk of the Order of Hammerstein, who, who, you, who you befriended while hoping him to weed Lilac Monastery of an unnatural present pestilence that plagued its lower level. And that is another adventure that you can listen to. It's What Creeps and Crawls Beneath Lilac Monastery. You're about to stride up and greet your old friend when you note he is continually glancing in the direction of the door. Though you're not yet certain, you sense he is agitated, perhaps even nervous. His current demeanour seems far removed from the bold warrior you've come to know him to be. So, I could use divination, I could move over to him, or I could remain where you are and watch him. I'll use divination, maybe, maybe he's doing something we doesn't. Where more another person turning up might cause problems? Divination. You sense that Brother Cole is fearful about her danger. He, he perceives to be his intimate. I'm moving over next to him. You rise from your seat and stride across the common room towards Brother Cole. As you draw near to his table, he looks up with a mix of surprise and relief on his drawn and weathered face. He opens his mouth for this to speak, but at the exact moment, the goblin's claw ends are thrust open, and two tall men in dark grey tunics stride into the inn. Your eyes dart back to Brother Cole, 
and you note with great interest he has turned his back to them and lowered his head slightly, as if he's hoping not to be noticed. You glance back at the two men who just entered and find that they've engaged Gutsmo in conversation. They seem to be questioning the lanky innkeeper about something. Gutsmo turns and begins looking around the common room. He's searching for someone. You're but certainly seeking out a patron to match the description the two men have just given him. You're also all but certain the patron will be the very man seated directly before them. Zoop, into them for me, he says. Your mind races as you attempt to come up with a ploy that will divert the attention of the two men who are apparently searching for Brother Cole. So, I've got a few options. I can just start a fight. Now, usually in most pubs, that might cause it might be, get me in trouble. But this is the Goblin Claw, so there's probably a fight going on already. <laughs> oh, I could use Illusion, Elementalism, Diplomacy, Thievery, or Telekinesis. Hmm. 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 I'm gonna try Illusion. Failed. Your attempt at creating a distraction has failed. Oh, poopy, poopy, but poop poops. You must quickly choose another course of action. I've no option but to attempt to start a fight. You turn to your turn and find yourself face to face with a large, intimidating, and hopelessly drunken patron. A couple of cutting insults followed by a strong shove, which is little to move him, sends the man into a frightening rage. The man draws back his white fists and takes a swing, fearsome swing at you. Leaning to your left, you nimbly dodge his blow. But the fist strikes a much smaller man standing behind you. The smaller man lands on his back on the table and slowly and painfully regains his feet. Too drunk to remain focused on you, the massive, enraged man turns his wrath upon the small man he just struck and proceeds to pummel his hopeless victim. The entire common room erupts into chaos, and from the far side of the inn, Gutsmill comes running. Step in and come to the aid of the smaller man, or just uh, leave, leave with Mother Cole. Okay, yeah, I've got to aid this smaller man. I mean, I, he's being pummeled, and he has nothing to do with any of this. They've no liking of the project of having the Smaller man take the punishment for the prey you prey you instigated. You boldly place yourself between the large drunk patron and his defenceless opponent. You immediately find your head to be the target of a well-placed punch. Pick a number. Bonus of 48. 18 from unarmed combat. 20 from agility. 10 from luck. It's got to be 50 or what? It's nearly certain. Pick now. 148. Success. That's the highest that could have been. You nimbly dodge the mighty swipe and counter the large man's enraged attack. You hope to put this man down as quickly as possible so you can attempt to find Brother Carl. Look, I haven't got much time for a fight. Engage in non-legal combat. Neither you nor your enemy are attempting to kill. No, he just wants to maim. And I just want him knocked out. Drunken man swings at you with his heavy fists. 
Alright, and he is defeated. He falls down with an almighty thud. 4xp, your final blow sends your large avatry topping backwards onto the floor. The patrons that circled about cheer loudly as you step over your moaning opponent and make for the back door. The entire common room is now firmly in the throes of chaos, as several fights have broken out. Quitsmall, now waving about a wooden cudgel, darts through the crowd, cursing and shoving as he attempts to restore some semblance of order. You quickly slip, slip out of the back door of the inn. Okay, that's not the not how it should have gone, but it'll work. And all these people will be okay. These, everyone who goes here gets into bar fights all the time. Yes, they they, they probably. Yes, you know, they, they just get the, they just go and order the post-bar fight drink. You know, that you know it helps with the bruises somehow. Or more accurately, makes you drunk enough that you don't notice the bruises anymore. Quickly slip, yep, back out there. Behind the inn, the back, back of the wham, of its wham shackle stables, which are really stinky, as we've just learned, you find more of Hidden behind a group, behind a broad grouping of ancient elves. I was perhaps as surprised to see you in that place as you were me, he says, stepping forward to meet you with a shoulder cross. I can't thank you enough for your hoping there. I'm afraid, however, that you found me in the midst of some curious circumstances. Immediately asked Brother Cole who the two grey card men who seemed bent on finding him, and from what? And from whom he only narrowly escaped, two of my former brothers, he says, his words hitting you like dead weight. Yes, Soup, much just changed since we last met in Lyalock. I have been cast from the Order. I am no longer a brother of the Hammersign. In fact, I am now a renegade, you might say. I have been hunted by my former Order since I fled the day I fled the monastery. Some six months back. You ask your friends what has brought about this startling turn of events. And at first he only sighs in response. As if he's contemplating just where to begin what appears to be a lengthy and twisting tale. The monastery is not the place I have known these many years, he says somberly. It's no longer a place of enlightenment. And a sanctuary for the downtrodden. It's become a den of deceit, my friend. And a place wicked in both thought and deed. Oh no. What about the, the, the children? The children! The, the thing pawned. He, he, sent, he sent those children. He sent the children there. What's happened to them? Oh no. The children! Oh, I, 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 I hope they managed to get sent somewhere else before he turned evil. Oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. That is, that is really bad. Brother Cole casts a glance back in the direction of the inn, and then looks over his white shoulder at the backs of the wooden hills, and stretch off in all directions as far as you can see. Let us move away from here. We may speak more freely elsewhere. On a wooded slope out of sight of the inn, but with a good view of the main road that passes out of Saltor Glen, Brother Cole begins his tale. 
You learned that several months ago, you began to sense that something was amiss with Brother Andrak, the master of, of Lylock, and the leader of the Order of Hammerstein, the monks who have long maintained the monastery. I would deem it possession if I believed in such things, he said. Though I would first blame the weakness of the spirit and the guile of over and the guile of temptation over such readily available scapegoats. I learned over six months ago that Brother Andrak was not the man I'd come to know and trust. As the brother as you listen, Brother Carl relates to you a sordid series of tales involving late-night visitors to the monastery by strange visitors seeking private audiences with Brother Andrak. As the weeks wore on, these mysterious meetings became more and more frequent, he says, and our master, our beloved Brother Andrak, became more withdrawn, less attentive to his duties as head of our order. I was not alone in my observations, mind you. The halls of Lilac were soon alive with whispers and rumours. Brother Cole tells you that he was unwilling to let his suspicions stand, but owing to the strange nature of the business in which his master was obviously involved, he felt it unwise to confront him directly. I entered, the, I entered Brother Aldrich's chamber one night when he was locked away from the monastery. When he was away from the monastery, he says, his door has never been locked, but it was on that night. When I got in, I made a search through the room, despite my misgivings about it. My suspicions were soon confirmed. For hidden in a box beneath his bed, I discovered a book. A book that has no place in the hands of the, of the servant of the Allfather. Brother Cole tells you the book he discovered was a tome of dark magic. An evil witch or a skin-bound volume that was obviously of Kowalan origin. Oh, skin-bound. I mean, that is a thing you can do, but you... <laughs> My blood ran cold as I turned his pages. He says, grimacing as if the memory is still fresh in his mind. My dreams are still plagued by what I glanced over within that tome. Though I've done my best to forget it. I can only examine it quickly, though but I did manage to find the pages that most obviously drawn the most recent attention. Brother Carl told you he located a section of the weighty book that bore evidence having, having been recently and heavily perused. I tore this very page from the book, he says, reaching into his small packs, producing a folded scrap of stretched parchment. This page not only identifies the book as identifies the tome as the Book of Blood, a legendary Quran text, but also bears what appears to be a code that has seemed to be recently copied. The thing is, if he was doing something good with that, like trying to figure out current plans, he'd have probably got Brother Carl in on it. Because Brother Carl would have no problem with dust smashing up some Korans, but no. Brother Cole hands you the folded page. You unfold the tile, unfold the parchment, and gaze upon the ancient script still dark against its time-worn surface. 
Near the bottom of the page is a long line of strange symbols, each in the form of a grotesque animal shape. I've got the torn page. This is the page that was given to you by Brother Cole outside the Goblin Claw Inn. He told you that he tore it from a tome he referred to as the Book of Blood, an ancient evil tome of corrupt magic. A set of strange symbols at the bottom of the page appear to be some sort of code. According to Brother Cole, this is the blood code. It's a code that much is plain. And the pages that have preceded this one seem to cast at least some small bit of light on it all. I believe I know where this code may be put to use. Brother Cole tells you the pages leading up to one he tore out, one he, you now hold, spoke of a seven-armed statue hidden in the midst of a tangled mire. I have no doubt that this code is directly linked to that statue, he says. I have every reason to believe that my question is none other than the Merc, a place I believe you are no stranger to, unless I've misheard tales of your victory over the Kowund in that fetid swamp. You learn that shortly after he procured the page, he came under the suspicion of Brother Andrak and was summarily cast from the order. I do not contend that my actions, those of a common thief, are defensible. Even with what I have discovered, he says his candid revelation surprised you, who, however, not relent to the matter is put to rest. I care nothing for my own status. I'm saddened to be apart from my brothers in the order, and to have and to have them turned against me, it would seem. But at the end I serve only the All Father. When you ask Brother Cole if you might be of service by attempting to find the statue of the Merc, put the strange code to use. He smiles. A sudden fire springs into the eyes of the Medigate monk. For the first time, you see hints of his bold, undaunted demeanour from behind the haggard, weary expression worn on his face. I should think there are those who would say the All Father does not gently guide our paths. You can hardly know the relief your offer of help brings me, Zoop. You tell Brother Cole that you are happy to help and that by taking possession of the page and the code it bears, and undertaking the mission into the murk, you might serve to follow to throw his pursuers off his trail. I have... I, I have to... I have to... I'll have, have you do nothing for you my own sake, he says, but I am confident you will find success on this task, and help us take... Take a much, take a large step towards shedding light. Light on some of this. There is much more at stake here than my place in the order of Hammerside. Of that we can at least be certain. I cannot thank you enough, Soup. Brother Cole tells you to turn over the pages given you, and when you do, you discover a crudely sketched map. It seems to indicate the general location of the statue in the murk. I pierce together that much what's written in the tome, he says, once again grimishing as he mentions the evil book. Using that as your guide, you should be able to find the statue relative ease, though I should be not so bold enough to use the word ease when speaking of that horrid mire. You nod as you look over the map. 
should prove to be a great help in navigating the twisting swamp paths. Brother Cole agrees that with the safe safety on your hands and with you embarking on the mission into Merc, for who those who have pursued him might be confused, at least for a small while. The brothers will be relentless under Andrew's command, he says obviously. Of course, I'm not even certain it is Brother Andrew who is in control of the order these days. At the moment, we can be certain of nothing as far as the order of Hammerstein is concerned. He tells you he will pay a visit to an old friend in the area who may or may not be able to help. Then he will go to Dursting and wait for you at the village. Whether or not you find success in the mire, you must seek me out in Dursting. I will not leave the village until I've at least had word from you. With that, you wish your friend luck and meet him in the shoulder cross before turning and heading off back towards the inn. As you reach the bottom of the hill upon which you stood, the monk, you turn and glance over your shoulder. There, at the top of the hill, outlined against the grey afternoon sky, his hand still weighs in your direction as the lonely figure of the renegade monk. Alright, back at the Goblin Claw Inn. Alright, let's go to the Merc, which is off Stormwind. Another place where I've been previously. Yes, there's an adventure for that. Just type in Merc. <laughs> Move to the entrance of the Merc. You're standing at the outskirts of the town of Stormfield. On the edge of a vast tangled swamp known as the Merc. Twisted, moss-covered trees rise up from pools of dark, stagnant water. Adventurers recently here? Me and one other person. It's not a place you go very often. Enter the swamp. You take one last look around before stepping into the dense tangle of the perilous blog. You're standing just inside the edge of the tangled swamp known as the Merc. Sunlight floods into this part of the swamp through a wide opening in the dense foliage to the west. A broad path exits the mire, exits the mire in that direction. Okay. According to the map on the back of the torn page, the Pachu Shatsu should be north and east from here. Okay, making my way north and east. Due east. South and east. South. There it is. On a patch of firm, raised ground in the middle of a pool of oozing muck stands a towering stone statue of an unknown seven-armed dynamic figure. An intricate engraving in the form of dozens of grotesque animal shapes adorns the midsection of this ancient hideous idol. But you cannot be certain. The statue seems to display some evidence, suggested recently we need claim from the swamp and set upon this relatively dry stretch of lands. Examine the engraving. A closer examination of engraved symbols that cover the midsection of this hideous statue reveal that they are actually a collection 
of dozens of grotesque animal shapes. He immediately realised that nightmarish and exaggerated carved animal shapes are in the same form as the symbols on the page torn from the Book of Blood. You glance at the symbols on the torn page and then turn your your gaze to the engraving on the statue. Somewhere amidst the dizzying eyewad of strange signals, it's code to believe you that you believe will allow you to reveal whatever secret this ancient seven-armed idol may be keeping. You note that below each of the engraved symbols on the statue is a raised stone button. Alright, attempt to just step back and examine the statue. Examine the engraving. Attempt to decipher the code. You've Using the array of symbols sprawled across the torn pages of your guide, you set about the tedious and boggling task of attempting to decipher the ancient code. Bonus of 57, picking a number. Law, 18 from Law, 19 from Arcania, 10 from Mind, 10 from Aura. Pick now, gotta get 100 or more. 101, success! 256 experience to general. A satisfied smile spreads across your face as you fing finger depress the last in a sequence of 12 buttons determined it's the correct code. Slowly but unmistakably, the statue begins to quiver and shake. You leap back from the idol as large chunks of stone begin to drop away from it. You watch in amazement as the stones that make up the idol crumble to dust and rumble. As the crowd of dust settles on a tall pile of stone, you're shocked to find yourself staring at a glittering blonde statue. You suddenly realise realise the stone must simply have been the outer layer of this truly magnificent, though still half through still horrifying seven armed dynamic statue. The bronze statue bears no sign of tarnish, no markings of any kind. Suddenly, at the base of the shining statue, we spot a wide, deep hollow. Resting at the back of the impression is a black, is a back, black, bladed dagger, which appeared at least one of the secrets guarded by the statue, and its ancient, ancient code have been retrieved, revealed. So, attempt to retrieve the dagger. You decide to attempt to retrieve the black-plated dagger from its resting place. A deep hollow at the base of the statue, so I can just reach in and get it. I assume it's really deep and fiddly. Yeah, it's like, you know, getting, getting roots, getting things out between the slabs of pavement, but much worse. Or I can use telekinesis or shadow magic. Telekinesis. Eight X speeds telekinesis. You channel your power of telekinesis and focus on the dagger resting at the back of the hollow at the base of the statue. Slowly, the black the black bladed weapon begins to quiver. It then rises into the air and floats out over out of the deep impression. Drawn directly to your hand by your mastery of mind over matter. You stare down at the dagger resting in your hand and wonder what importance or dark purpose such a simple looking weapon could possibly serve. 
It's a black bladed dagger. Let's have a look at it. It's a stabbing weapon, unsurprisingly. This is the black bladed dagger to be to be retrieved from the bronze idol in the mist of the murk. The item appears to be akin to the sort of weapons corrupted in their evil ceremonies. It is a weapon of common quality. Hmm. hmm. It's not magic. Hmm. Maybe it's only magic in conjuration with some strange ritual. Yes, I assume. I can only assume it's probably going to be involved in some sort of some sort of blood sacrifice. Maybe even mass blood sacrifice. Just hope those children aren't involved in it. Because I mean that that would possibly be worse than what you'd originally expect. Expect religious orders to be engaged in which is dark. <laughs> A close examination of the strange black-bladed jagger feels that it bears not a single distinguishing mark. You think the weapon could be some sort of Corwin ceremonial piece. Begin to feel uneasy with the knife in your possession, realising it is the end result of having deciphered the statue's code. You're almost certain it will prove to be of great interest to Brother Cole. You also realise that it's quite likely likely also proved to be of interest to other, less desirable parties. A strange feeling comes over you as you step back from the statue and turn to face the tangled mire that creeps up from all sides. For you see nothing in a dense void that surrounds you. You are struck by the unsettling notion that you are somehow not alone. With bated breath and a pounding heart, you stand perfectly still, just a few yards away from the seven-armed statue, listening intently to the sounds of the bog that assail you from every direction. Above the ceaseless din of insects, frogs and birds, you can hear nothing that would serve to confirm your vague suspicions. To check you over your equipment and making certain that that bladed dagger is tucked in safely among your belongings, you turn back and take a final look at the hideous seven-armed dynamic bronze idol. For a moment, your glaze is almost transfixed on the statue, and you find yourself once again wondering who, or what, recently reclaimed this idol from the swamp, hump, and set it on the, on the patch of dry ground. With little desire to linger here any longer, you turn to the north, prepared to head back to the tangled mire, only to find yourself confronted by a sight that causes your heart to skip a beat. Creeping out, creeping out of the dense foliage on either side of the path to the north are four black masts, knife-wielding figures. In a split second, you realise these men, with their faces hidden behind black cloth veils, are likely to have followed you here, and are now after the dagger you procured from the ancient idol. You call out the ma ma advancing men, boldly demanding to know their business. In response, the foremost of the four black men brings back his white arm and rapidly clasps it forward, sending his deadly blade firstling through the air straight towards your chest. So I've got some options here. Attempt to dodge the hell of knife. 
shadow magic, telekinesis, and fortification. Uh, fortification. Oh, it failed. The hurled knife grises your side as it flies past. Uh, four damage. Not, not very good aim there. Eh? Not very good aim. I didn't even block it and he, and he didn't hit me. And he only did four damage. Suddenly, a series of stark stabbing pains shoot through your body, nearly dumping you over in agony. As you, you, as you struggle to remain... Rain on your feet as the pain that ravages your body intensifies. You come to the horrifying realization the blade of the knife that grazed you was poisoned. Okay, okay, I take that back. I take that back. That was some very good throwing. As the stabbing pain worsens, your body struggles to fend off the more devastating effects of the toxin now cursing through your veins. Pick a number. Bonus of 20. Gotta get 50 or more. See what happens. 98. Success. In a heroic display of constitution, you manage to ward off the more damaging effects of the deadly cosm. Toxin delivered by the Herald Knife. Only 5 damage. As the pain begins to subside, you steady yourself and prepare to boldly engage your advancing foes. With unnerving speed, the first four of the masked men is upon you, brandishing a long-bladed knife. Your gnome enemy says nothing, but his cold gaze leaves you no doubt about his cruel resolve. It's a masked assailant. Only, the only option is to kill him. Your silent assailant slashes at you with his long-bladed knife, and does a particularly brutal stroke for twelve damage. It's nearly done, nearly done, and slain. 13 XP. The second of the masked men is immediately upon before you. He numbly dodges your first blow and counters with a swift and brutal attack. It's another masked assailant who also slashes with a long bladed knife and is also slain for another 13 experience. The two masked men leap forward, bounding over the corpses of their slain cohorts. You fall back seven steps and firmly plant your feet as you steal yourself to face their frenzied attack. Two more masked assailants. The silent assailants slash at you with their long bladed knives. And are slain. 21 XP. The four masked men who assailed you are dead. You remove the cloth veils from seeing their faces. But much as you expected, you do not recognise any of them. A quick search of their bloody corpses reveals only their long-bladed knives. It's clear they, these men wish to carry nothing by which they could be identified. So it's four long-bladed knives. I'll just take them. Realising in the wake of the attack that, that da the danger could still lurk, in the tangled, desolate swamp, you take one last look at the seven armed, armed idol before quickly setting off on your way through the bog. Enveloped in the never-ending cacophony, cacophony created by the countless insects, frogs and birds that call the swamp home, you steadily make your way along the twisting, sinking bog paths as you narrowly wind your way towards the entrance of the fetid, this fetid mire. After a lengthy but thankfully uneventful trek, you once again find yourself standing dust 
inside the edge of the perilous swamp. Yep, back to the back to the first square of the swamp. Leave this swamp west. As you promised, Brother Carl, at the ons onset of this mission, mission, you should now attempt to seek him out in Jumpsink. Okay, back to back to Stormwind. Travel southwest, Durstig. Durstig is a small village, typical of most settlements in Western Tysa. Only a handful of buildings at the centre of the village, though there are a few small groupings of homes lying on the outskirts. Alright, I guess the tavern? I mean, if I was waiting for someone and I didn't know when they would come, I would do the tavern. Durstig's only tavern, the Singing Four, is unremarkable in almost every way. Aside from a group of three old men huddled around the corner playing cards, the place is all but deserted. The tavern geek, a toothless, white-haired man, looks up from the grime-covered table he's dutifully wiping down and beckons for you to approach. You step up to the old man and he speaks in a low tone. Your friend's out in the back, just over there, he says, pointing to the door at the far end of the room. He told me I should be expecting you. You thank him and proceed at once to the other side of the calm room. To taking a quick glance around, to make certain no one else has taken an interest in your movements, you gently open the door and slip into a small, lamp-lit room. Seated at a leaning table in the middle of the dimly lit room is Brother Cole. A cloth hood is drawn over his head, and his unshaven face bears a haggard, weary expression. He smiles and rises to meet you in a shoulder cross. The news of your success on your mission into the murk seems to revive his spirits, though it is plain to you he is not surprised by your adventurous feat. I praise the Allfather that our paths crossed in the Goblin Claw, he says. Sit and rest your feet, and tell me all about it. You carefully relate the details of your excursion into the murk, into the Wenegade, of the, into the murk to the renegade monk and he listens with wide eyes interest as you as you describe deciphering the blood code and recovering the black beard, black bladed dagger from the statue he asks to see the dagger and you hand him the cruel looking weapon after examining it for several minutes he places the black bladed weapon into a leather bag at his side I confess I know nothing of the precise nature of the dagger. Other than it is obviously a Cohen ceremonial piece, he says. Of course, I shudder to think what Brother Andrew or his mysterious associates want with it. But it is precisely what I intend to find out. You tell Brother Cole about the four masked men who attacked you on the swamp, not locked. From the swamp after you retrieve the dagger, he listens carefully to describe them. And he and tells you that were not they were likely not Kawand. Brothers perhaps, he says, or hard killers. But those are not the tactics of the Kawand. I would expect his my old brothers to, own brothers to wield hammers, and they certainly might have chosen not to do not to so readily identify themselves in such a manner. I have no doubt you were followed into the bog. You can safely assume so it's like you were followed here. He must be on my guard. 
Brother Cole tells you he has no desire for you to become drawn any further into this matter. We respond by telling the monk you will do whatever you can to help him as he attempts to get to the bottom of the dark events that just now seem to be unfolding. You're a true friend, Zoop, says the Master Wise, smiling. I may once again have to have need to ask for your help. The mu- that much will depend on what to what end the discovery of this dagger leads me. Brother Cole tells you he'll take his weapon to a friend of his, who may be able to help further identify it. Though he makes no mention of his person's name, you hand Brother Cole the page he tore from the Book of Blood, and tell him the map he scrawled on the back of it was great help in finding the statue. I would, I would like to hear, hear more about it. More about it all some day, he says with great interest. Perhaps you and I will share at least one more, one adventure before this business is sorted out, Zoop. At last, Brother Cole rises and tells you he must set off, set off on his way. The two of you decide it would be best if you left the tavern separately. And once again, the monk reminds you to be on your guard from here on out. You meet the master warrior in a shoulder cross and wish him luck on the road ahead. He returns the sediment and once again thanks you for your help. I'll seek you out in the goblin claw if I ever need to find you, he says, and quickly adds with a smirk. The really? Such a place is quite unbecoming for someone like you. Brother Cole has been gone for nearly ten minutes. You too make your way out the tavern and on to Jersting's main thoroughfare. A light rain has begun to fall out of the dense ceiling of grey far ahead, serving only to add to the sombre mood that this strange business and the departure of your friend have had a handy creating. As you gaze along the thoroughfare to the north, you hope that you will again have the chance to help Brother Cole in the unsettling business that seems to have landed directly at his feet. Until such a time, your vows will remain your guard, and you pray your friend will do the same. That ends this quest with 512 XP to General, and 64 XP to all skills and powers. And now I'm in Durstig. Let's see. There's another adventure in the Goblin Chlorine that I want to do. It's a pretty short one, so it doesn't, it's not, it's a short one, so it can't really work on its own. For a whole episode. Southwest Tyser, South Tor Glen, Goblin Claw in. Okay, enter the inn. Common room. Adventures for this location. Lift the box. An odd request request for an odd fellow in the common room of the Goblin Claw Inn. Leads to the possibility of an odd bit of adventure. Start it. The bent, white-haired man who ambled into the common room with a help stout cane a little, little more than an hour ago suddenly rises from, from a seat to the left of the fire and hobbles slowly over to you. After politely inquiring if the seat opposite your own is occupied, he places his cane on the table and slumps down into the chair with a heavy sigh. For a few moments, he says nothing as he eyes you cautiously. You'll forgive the intrusion, sir, he says, staring across the table at you. But I have a keen sense for things. 
and I, and I know a brother in the trade. The way you and I both cast our gazes about the room is quite telling. You immediately discern the man is some sort of thief, and he is somehow detected, or the very least suspected, your own attachment to the shadowy profession. Before we can say another word, you boldly ask him who he is and what it is he wants. My name is Wistor, he says, smiling, as the words as the words depart his lips. I'm not afraid to say it. Are you afraid to tell tell me yours? Well, obviously not. I'll politely introduce myself to Wistor. The old man smiles upon hearing your name and tells you he's a proposition he wishes to make. When you cry about the nature of the proposition, he produces a black pouch and lays it on the table. He loosens the string that clinches the top of the pouch and reveals a small quantity of adventurer tokens. There's four of them in the pouch. The task for which I would hire you is quite simple. The keeper of this place, Gutsmore, I believe his name to be, he is in possession of something that does not belong to him. It's delivered here by mistake. And, uh, um, we, uh, I mean, I, I mean to say, uh, I mean to say, I would like it back. Grasp the old man what the item in question is, and he smiles, turning to stare across the room at Gertzmore, who is toiling to fix a wobbly table leg. For several moments, he turns back towards you. A wooden box. The box is empty, mind you. But it's most important that I return it to its rightful owner. While you sense there is little truth in the man's tale, the box in question is very likely the property of the innkeeper, who intrigued by his profound interest in obtaining it, particularly since he has indicated it is empty. You ask him why the box is important to his friend, and he shakes his head. I'll answer no such inquiries. Lift the box and bring it to me, and the pouch I've shown you is yours. Sir, I accuse divination or thievery to try to figure something out. Agree to steal this to steal the box from Gritsmill, or refuse his proposal and promptly dismiss him. I shall use thievery. Your well-trained eye quickly and immediately stands the womb for any sign that might indicate that others are present in league with the old man. To your best of your ability. You're able to determine he is indeed operating alone. Okay, I'll agree to steal this box from Gritsmill. Okay, Wistor nods and tells you that he has learned that Gritsmill keeps the box in his family's private quarters on the second floor of the inn. Describes the box as having a large, as having the carved likeness of a griffin on its leg. Shouldn't prove overly difficult for you, he says, once again turning to gaze in the direction of the busy keeper. He looks as if our friend is to be tangled up all afternoon with that table. You tell Wistor that you will turn to him with the box, but he quickly tells you to seek him out in the village of Hawklaw when you have it. When you ask him where in Hawklaw you will find me, he pauses for a moment. The shop of that outfit, Iswin, I believe is his name, don't tarry and do not open the box. With that, the old man rises from the table. Remarkably enough, without the help of his cane, he nods at you, picks up his cane, and hobbles out of the inn. Once he is gone, you turn your attention to the matter of the mysterious wooden box you've agreed to seal. So, I could speak with Gutspool, or just sneak right in right now, or not steal the box. I'm going to speak with him first. 
Exercising appropriate caution, he approached Chris Mock, who is still toiling to fix the wobbly table leg, and engaged him in conversation. The thin, balding innkeeper seems only too willing to take a break from his labour, and launches into a lively discussion with you on a wide range of to topics. Gradually, you carefully steal the conversation in the direction you hope to allow him to make mention of the wooden box. Pick a random number, bonus of 56, 18 from Diplomacy, 18 from Feedwee, 10 from Mind, 10 from Luck. Got to get 75 or more. Success! 32 experience to General. Adeptly steered, steered into, onto the subject of Wheatsford acquisitions, Grutzmann suddenly tells you he's coming to possession of a large, but strange, but fascinating item. You carefully acquire about the object in question. He tells you it was a wooden block box that was left behind by a patron a couple of weeks back. You quickly realise the patron who left the wooden box must have been delivering to Wistar. Unfortunately for the old hobbled man, it seems it was the innkeeper who happened upon it first. Strange thing is, things, isn't it? Is it too? He says. Would you like to see it? Agree to see the wooden box. Gutsmull disappears upstairs and returns a few minutes later, bearing a sizable rectangular object hidden beneath a blue cloth. He motions for you to follow into the black room. To the back room where, where he reveals a wooden box. Carved likeness of a griffin is all... Bright room of a of a griffin in flight adorns the lid. This is beyond all doubt. The box you agreed to pilfer for Wistor. Quite a find, isn't it? He asks, his eyes bouncing from you to the box in rapid succession. About to tell him you don't see anything particularly remarkable about the plain wooden box, when the when the innkeeper suddenly flicks up its hinged lid and tells you to place your hands inside. You peer into the box and are surprised, despite Wister's all told you it's indeed empty. Although initially leery to do as Quizmore suggests, you place your right hand in the shallow empty interior of the box and are shocked when it comes into contact with something smooth and cold. You peer against the box. You again peer into the box and you discover that apart from your hand, it still appears to be empty. Something is visible is attached to the bottom of the inside of the box. What do you think it might be? asked Gutsmill, who has obviously discovered the visible and apparently unmovable object at the bottom of the box. I know enough, enough to know it's magic. Beyond that, I haven't a clue. I think it might be worth something. You suddenly realise you might be able to legitimately relieve the innkeeper of this box. If you should choose to do so. Okay, so offer to purchase the box. Innkeeper's brow furrows, and he gores at the bottom of your lips as he ponders your offer to purchase the wooden box. And its strange, invisible, and seemingly immovable contents. 2,000 gold would make me just a bit less curious about it, he says, grinning. What do you got to say about say to that, my friend? Okay, 2,000 gold tokens. Yep, yeah, I'll do that. Gritsmore accepts your gold and, and hands you the wooden box. It's the strange wooden box. This seeming, something smooth, cold and invisible seems to be immovably affixed to the bottom of the interior of the small wooden box. 
This is the box you agreed to bring to Wistor in Hawklaw. There. And if you find out what's in there, you come and tell you come and tell me about it, he says. Well, today is certainly a very good day. The box now in your possession, you bid farewell to Gritsmill and make your way out of the inn. Yay, and I didn't need to steal anything. Yeah. Just inside the edge of the woods, not far from the inn, you sit down on a trunk of a fallen tree and make a close examination of the wooden box. You flip up the carved lid of the box and reach into its shadow exterior. As happened when Gutsmull showed you the box, your hand comes into contact with the invisible, smooth and cold object affixed to the bottom of the inside box. To several moments, you suddenly realise that the unseen object is mounted, mounted to the bottom of the box with what seems to be two bent nails, which are also visible. You bend back the thin strips of iron and are shocked with a silver bracelet. Bracelet suddenly appeared in the bottom of the box. The two nails that held the curious item in place are now also visible. You reach in and retrieve the bracelet. Studying the bracelet for several moments, you are certain there should be more of it than meets the eye. It's an unidentified silver bracelet. This thin, smooth bracelet is the one you discovered in the bottom of the wooden box you were hired to steal from Goodsmill. It's invisible in the bottom of the box, but you are became visible the moment you removed it. The box and its mysterious contents now in your possession, you set off, you prepare to set off for Hawkfall, and your presumed meeting with the bent, white-haired man you know as Wistor. Alright, to Hawklaw now. There we are, Hawklaw. That's a safe place, so I can now identify it. There was a pre thing I got in a previous right, quest called an, an unidentified black bladed axe, which is now a skull cleaver, and an unidentified silver bracelet, which is an assassin's bracelet, and 32 experience to Arcania. Okay, what's the skull cleaver do? Probably not going to make a good replacement for the demon scourge. So, hacking weapon, melee rating plus nine, and two, and two extra verses on dead. The fearsome head of this double-bladed axe is jet black. Engravings of skulls adorn the weapon's iron haft. This weapon is of magical quality. It's called a cleaver. Now, let's just have a look at that bracelet. It's the assassin's bracelet. Three melee waiting and two stamina points. But my current bracelet, Ico's wristband, has three melee waiting and four stamina points. Now, what's the description for this bracelet? I'm not going to keep it because I've got a better one. Alright. It's also. One agility, one might, and one luck. 
that's uh, hmm, that would that would bring me to the maximum luck, but nah, nah, nah. I mean, I was. I think I'll get a bigger reward if I return it. This thin, smooth bracelet is the one you discovered in the bottom of the wooden box you were hired to steal from Woodsville. It was invisible in the bottom of the box. It became visible the moment you removed it. Right, so it's in the outfitters. As you approach Ixwin's shop, you spot Wistor lurking in the shadows inside the building. He's looking in the opposite direction, has not yet spotted you. Approach Wistor. Wistor appears startled by your sudden appearance, but while the sinister smile quickly replaces the look of surprise on his wrinkled face. The white-haired, be- white-haired bent man leaped heavily on his stout cane and asks, asks if you've come bearing the wooden box. Okay, so I can give him nothing. I can give him the box. Or I can give him the bracelet and the box. Okay, he's going to get both things. I don't need the bracelet and I, and I, and I definitely don't need the box. Why store expects the box into which you've secretly placed the bracelet, and surprisingly, he does not open it. He places the item in a cough bag tied to his belt and bows. Man whose box this is will be most appreciative of his turn, he says, and I appreciate your honesty. I suppose I owe you what I promised. Four ruggy-looking men suddenly step around the corner of his shop. Each man wears a short sword and is clad in leather armour. Oh dear. Am I going to be attacked? I hope not. No, well, actually, I don't particularly care, but... I mean, I've gone through this entire... I've gone through this quest so far without committing any... any crime as far as I know. Nothing that I could reason... Nothing that I could... If I mean, if this is stolen goods, it's not stolen by me. And I... Like... I, and I could suspect it's stolen goods, but I can't prove it, so... There's nothing that would... No, nothing criminal has happened on my part. Wistor motions with his head in your direction, and one of the men steps behind you. We're about to assume a defensive stance, when the man reaches beneath his leather vest and produces a black cloth pouch. She believed to be the very pouch that Wistor showed you in the back of the Goblin Claw Inn. The man hands you the pouch and then retreats to stand with the three others behind their apparent white-haired leader. They were surprised to discover the pouch contains 16 adventurer tokens. Woo! Woo, 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 woo! Yay, 16. Wistor thanks you again and tells you he's pleased to have met you. Perhaps we'll meet at the end someday, he says as he turns and departs, with the four men trailing along behind him. You watch the five men make their way along Hawklaw's main thoroughfare until they are no longer in sight, before stepping away from Intuin's shop and preparing to set off on your way. That finishes Lift the Box. And that, that, that's enough for today. Tomorrow? Well, enough for now, anyway. Enough for this episode. Next time we'll do something else. But until then, 
Farewell, fellow adventurers. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.